Welcome to the Rise Priestess podcast, a place for women just like you who are in the process of claiming their callings, rising into priestesshood, and building a legacy. This is where values-driven women come to learn how to unleash their gifts and share them unapologetically with the world to unlock deep contribution and potent prosperity. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Coxon. I'm an author, yoga teacher, activist, and business mentor. I bridge together feminine-inspired leadership and divine masculine action that quantum leaps you into an expansive experience of life and business. I believe that business is a vehicle for not only living a more purposeful and free life, but for also contributing to social and ecological healing. I live in a coastal town in Portugal and have been channeling my inner priestesshood into various heart-centered businesses since 2016. Back then, I left my life as an archaeologist to play my part in the reawakening of the feminine. Although I now run a successful mission-driven business, it's been quite the journey. I've had to move past imposter syndrome, own my gifts, make friends with money, step into feminine leadership, dismantle toxic conditioning, and learn ethical marketing practices. I'm here to help you on your journey to living life and doing business on your terms. From guest interviews to solo heart riffs to laser coaching sessions, this podcast is here to inspire you to reclaim the feminine, live your dharma, and get paid for being you. So sit back, take a deep breath, sister, and let's dive into today's episode. Hello Priestesses, it's another episode of the Way of the Priestess podcast. If you are tuning in for the first time, then welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. And if you are tuning in for the second or third or fourth or however many times you've tuned in, then just thank you so much for coming back. Um, I wouldn't be doing this work without you. And if any of these episodes speak to you, then feel free to screenshot them and share them on your social media, particularly on your Instagram stories and tag me so that I can say hello and I can thank you. Um, Yeah, so things are changing in Sarah's world, particularly in my business, but also in my life. So you may have noticed that I have done a bit of a rebrand. And if you haven't noticed, no worries. (laughs) I'm not expecting you to notice. But the domain name of my website has completely changed now and you can find my complete rebrand at www.drsarahcoxon.com and you will see that I am shifting slightly out of just feminine empowerment uh, and more into feminine empowerment online business, dharma, abundance, purpose, all of these things. So it's a slight shift, um, but it feels very, very aligned, particularly because we closed the doors to the Limitless Academy uh, forever last week, and it was an amazing launch. So many amazing, beautiful women joined. Um, And we have six months together now, which is gonna be so, so, so potent. But now, as my journey is developing and as I am embodying 
new codes and new medicine, I recognized that it's time for me to step into my priestesshood even more. And this means that so much of my content now is really going to be helping you to also own your priestess power and to share your medicine and embody abundance and self-worth. So yeah, I just feel like I'm really, really dialing in now to uh, a new level of who Sarah is and what she's here to contribute to the world as a priestess. Um, and I have a very, very exciting program coming up. Um, so make sure that you open your eyes about that on my email list. And if you're following me um, on social media, on Instagram, if you're not, then you can check me out at Dr. Dr. Sarah Coxon. And the name of the program is embodied abundance and this gives me chills because this isn't a money program this but this isn't a how to get rich quick program although for sure money can definitely be the byproduct this is about creating feelings of safety feelings of purpose feelings of alignment, feelings of abundance, so that you can live your highest vision for yourself and you can embody possibility and expansiveness and openness because abundance isn't something external to us. It is an energy, it's an energetic frequency and it's a way of being. And when we embody this energy of abundance, then anything becomes possible, including material wealth. Over the past few years, I've really been able to step into and tap into abundance consciousness so that really abundance is just literally the way I work. And we're, so many of us are operating in such scarcity because that's the predominant cultural programming, like there isn't enough, you know, everything's frightening, we're all fucked. Um, excuse my French. And it's just not true. Actually, abundance is our nature. And when we actively take an active role to do the inner work, to tap into it, magic and miracles are what become our norm. My life is miraculous. There is so much abundance around me. I'm surrounded by abundance because I am tapped into abundance because abundance is me. So make sure that you are on my email list to hear about when the doors open. Um, and if you can't wait till then, then you can email me Sarah at drsarahcoxon.com and just say, hey, I want to know about your abundance program. I want to know the details and I will send you over the details because now I'm kind of done with creating elaborate sales pages. Anyone that wants to know details of my program, um, all they have to do is send me a message and I will send them over. So it's almost like if you want to know, you have to get in contact. <laughs> all right, then I'm just going to shut up um, because 
I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest for this week. Her name is Ember Kelly and uh, we got acquainted on Instagram and she's a transgender woman. Um, she's also the director of religious education at the Fourth Universalist Society in New York City. And her story of becoming herself is just so inspiring. And I just know that even if your your life is different, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna resonate so much with what she's saying in her story. Um, and she's just this beacon for bravery and truth. So yeah, without further ado, um, let's let's roll. Let's roll the tape. Hello, gorgeous souls, and welcome to another episode. I'm really, really honored to introduce you to Ember Kelly. Ember Kelly is the Director of Religious Education at Fourth Universalist Society in NYC. And she is passionate about unpacking spiritual trauma and encouraging people to create their own systems of spirituality, values, and meaning. And I know we're going to have an incredible conversation. So Ember, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's so good to have you here. And I mean, we connected, we've connected on Instagram, but we've, we've connected last week on a phone call and you have such an incredible story. There's so many different facets in it. And yeah, it's such an honor to have you on the show. So I guess, who, who are you? And um, tell us a bit about you and yeah, about the journey that you've been on. Yeah, definitely. I wake up every morning and I say, who am I? Um, so <laughs> I'm very experienced in this question. Um, so like you mentioned, uh, I'm currently the director of religious education at Fourth Universalist Society in New York City. Uh, and so the universalist churches, they're, they're pretty uh, open-minded, uh, no dogma. It's, it's been a really great place for me to land uh, because my story is, is one of uh, many different religious experiences, lots of uh, religious trauma and coming out of the closet as a trans woman. So um, I am 32 years young. Uh, so I was born in 88. <laughs> it feels like forever ago now, uh, but such as that millennial age right now. <laughs> uh, we're born in the same year actually i was like oh, excellent really? year <laughs> oh, it's, solid, it's a solid year it's a solid year um <laughs> minus that you know uh the the 88's bad associations these days so i, I try and avoid <laughs> putting it in screen names i learned that lesson uh i don't need to be associated with any bad people <laughs> um, but so uh my uh my family that i was born into uh uh they were, uh, they were unreligious, honestly, I think, <laughs> until uh, I was born. I think that they were like, okay, well, we should start going back to like the churches that we went to when we were young, now that we have a kid. Uh, and so I grew up going to a lot of very like uh, evangelical American churches, very like uh, conservative, uh, right wing. Um, uh, so that was, we, we jumped around to a few different churches, but like the church that we ended up attending for much of my youth was like, 40 people who mostly all knew each other and they had broken off of some other Baptist church or something like that. But uh, we, we somehow got to be part of that church. Uh, but so I attended that church for most of my youth uh, and ended up uh, ending, landing in a, 
uh, Pentecostal based, uh, basically kindergarten through senior year uh, of high school. And so that was, I was there from third grade through 12th grade. Uh, so I had uh, these very uh, conservative religious experiences, you know, uh, being in high school in like the George Bush years and like in our Wednesday chapels, we would pray that the, the war on terror would be successful and that the gay agenda would be stopped. And so this was a really uh, not positive environment in general, um, very spiritually mm -hmm. abusive environment uh, in terms of a lot of the, the patterns that happen in American evangelicalism. Uh, and it was even more so for me trying to like come to terms with, with what I could tell was going on internally uh, and figuring out my identity uh, as a transgender woman. Uh, so that was like really, uh, you know, two, two things weighing against me. But uh, what, what I figured at the time was that I was just, you know, like the worst of sinners, but this was my cross to bear that I have to be like the best Christian and never think about this whole being trans thing. Uh, and so that's that's what it was uh, in like high school. Uh, so, I mean, you would probably know the same experiences uh, growing up uh, pretty much with the internet. Uh, so we got the nice good internet by like uh, middle school, high school age. Uh, and I used internet as a way to like learn a little bit more about uh, trans issues. Uh, I, I went off of like terms that I had heard unlike Jerry Springer, you know, very wholesome places to learn about your, uh, <laughs> your identity. Uh, but luckily, um, going down the rabbit hole of, you know, the nasty, horrible things that I, the terms that I had heard used on something like Jerry Springer or Maury, the early morning talk shows, I, uh, I moved into, you know, finding out that there were other trans people out there and like that there were plenty of people who were having success and having good lives. Uh, and so like by the end of high school, I had mostly come to terms with it, but I was also uh, feeling like I wanted to be uh, a pastor. And I think, you know, there's part of that that I wanted to be like the best possible Christian, um, improve everybody wrong sort of thing. Um, but I, you know, I think there was a genuine call to, to wanting to help, help others uh, and help others on their spiritual journeys. And that was the only way I knew how was to become a pastor. So uh, I went off to college and pursued that. Um, and finally, during college, I started uh, coming out, um, and I even uh, I came out to my girlfriend at the time, who is uh, now my wife of 10 years, um, and uh, she actually encouraged me a lot to come out to others, and I ended up coming out to most of the school. Uh, when I went off to grad school to like continue this path towards doing church work, um, I, uh, I um, came out to everybody again because it was a new batch of people but it was basically that I was that I was coming out but there wasn't any sort of like changes in my life it was just that I was like being open about it so uh, a lot of the the folks in my life didn't necessarily like there was a few that very clearly rejected me but a lot of them just kind of like were like okay well as long as you're not acting on this you know we're okay like still being your friends um and so uh I had we had our first uh, son uh, in 2013 uh, and after that like as uh, once he was born it really got me thinking about like how do I tell him to live an authentic life and you know how do I how do I guide him on these things like if I if I hate my own self uh, and if I don't feel authentic myself how can I how can I tell my kid about that uh, and it really was an impetus to like get me thinking about like 
what does being my genuine self really truly mean? So uh, in 2015, like I, I, I started the transition process um, and uh, we had our uh, second son in 2016. And then, uh, you know, it's just been an adventure of life from there. I ended up uh, going abroad to teach in Vietnam for a little bit uh, before I landed back here uh, doing church work in a setting where it's affirming to me as a trans woman and where I don't have to like hide any aspect of my spirituality, which has kind of uh, blossomed in, in the meanwhile. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a long journey. That is the not like hour long, just rambling about myself version. Um, so you can, uh, if you got any specifics that you may want uh, your listeners to hear about, feel free to, to poke or prod about my life story. It's absolutely fascinating, Ember. And what's really intriguing for me is that, you know, your story really does mirror so many of our stories, this sense of, um, to greater or lesser extents, you know, the supposed to, the shoulds, the things that we shouldn't be, and the, the embracing of who we really are. And I'm, I'm very, very curious about... Um, what I'm really curious about is that process of embracing womanhood and how that was for you. And, and if it's possible to go in more detail with that and share your experience there and what womanhood is for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I mentioned to you, to you in some of our, of our past conversation that, uh, you know, there's, there's some level now that uh, when you mentioned that this might be something that we kind of talk about that, uh, I've gotten to this point in my life now that, that womanhood just just is. It's just who I am uh, versus, you know, early on in my my coming out process where it was very much like I had to like establish like, here's why everybody should accept and see me as valid. And that's, I mean, so that's been its own journey in itself is coming to just see it as existing. Uh, um, but we can we can dive into that second. Um, so in terms of of thinking about like, that self-discovery process I mean uh, it's it was just something you know it, it wasn't like I grew up you know there's there's a stereotype like oh I I grew up playing with Barbies and just always wanting to wear dresses or something like that but that, that wasn't the case um, I, I liked dinosaurs um, I um, you know uh, didn't didn't seem super off to the general public but like internally uh, as young as five, like, you know, I remember that, like, we had, like, a, a, a neighbor, because uh, we were a military family, so we moved around a little bit, uh, and so we had, a, like, a neighbor who was, uh, like, also a girl the same age as me, and, you know, all of my family thought, like, oh, this is, this is your, your crush that you have as, like, a little five-year-old, because, you know, they got to make sure that heterosexuality is compulsive, um, <laughs> and, but you know, for me, it was that I was just like looking to to make friends and to like feel uh, included in the right like friend group and like so. It, I mean, I was five, so I didn't have the words for it at the time. But like, I, I remember like distinctly as a five year old, like trying to process these thoughts about like what what is gender, what is my gender, what is who am I, uh, and those you know only kind of it, it grew with time, um, you know, like. I was I was worried that if I watched Mrs. Doubtfire too many times, that my family might figure out that I was trans. 
<laughs> I watched that movie so many times during my childhood. <laughs> right? I mean, so I, I liked it because I was like, oh, see, well, you know, if, if Robin Williams can, can dress as a woman, like maybe I can. Um, but I, I guess I have to do it when I'm old. <laughs> but, um, you know, so like, the, I mean, because gosh, Mrs. Doubtfire would have been like that I was like seven or eight years old. Like that'd be the mid nineties. So I wasn't like super old and I was like very clearly processing these like <laughs> very deep thoughts. Um, so then obviously like by middle school, like I had like the more concise words for it. Like I had, you know, heard about like crossdresser and drag queen and uh, all these sorts of things, uh, mostly in derogatory ways, but like it, it gave me something uh, to explore. And so like, um, you know, it, it was, the, it was the early trans internet, um, but like it, it was just really great to realize that there was a, I wasn't the only person in the world like dealing with trying to figure this out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't really till like I, tr I accepted it in some sense, but it was just like a, it's kind of there. Um, and honestly, like it wasn't till like coming out that um, I really started thinking about like womanhood, about feminism, about a lot of that sort of stuff. I had grown up in this very <laughs> uh, conservative uh, family where, you know, uh, feminism would have been a dirty word. Um, <laughs> wow. And, um, oh, gosh. I mean, because, like, the, the college that I went to, like, you know, there was regular debates about, like, uh, whether women should, like, even be allowed to teach others in a church. Um, like... <laughs> not even just to be pastors, but like, should they be able to teach Sunday school to like male children? Like, you know, some weird issues around feminism in, in this uh, context. But I was, I was so very fortunate that uh, my wife, uh, that she was pretty well read in the world of feminism and she got me like started reading and really like just started, helped start me on such a path of like self-reflection of like truly, understanding myself and understanding what this all meant for me and like you know so I mean it to, to some extent you know it, it it's always just been there um I think that the last half decade especially since like uh, publicly transitioning um and even the last full decade since like really really coming out um like those have been like that that first like five years of the last like so uh, that would have been like 2008 to like 2015 almost like I was still I was very much like mentally processing it all and really coming to to understand myself to understand uh what it would mean to be authentically me um and to like just kind of establish my own identity but I think to some level it was still like okay well I gotta find a, a box that like fits me uh whereas the last five years have been like coming to really own that uh and really like embrace uh, myself and embrace um, that I don't need like external validation uh, to, to be true to myself, um, but that I can, you know, embrace this, this womanhood that is mine uh, and uh, feel, feel good in it. Um, and like the, the last year or so, I've been on much more of like a really opening myself up spiritual journey uh, as I stepped away from a bit of my more traditional theological upbringings. Um, and you know, that, that's been really good too, to also on like a, like a, a, a faith, spiritual, you know, metaphysical, uh, whatever you want to call it level to really like start 
um, owning it in that sense too, like that it's not, um, yeah, that it, it's, it's such a deep uh, part of me um, that I've really come to just know and experience so much more. Wow. I love, I love listening to that because it's really just a sense of rather than categorizing and labeling, which I think we tend to do with the, the logic, the logical mind. This is how we've been conditioned. Your process, particularly in the last five years is really about um, being you and becoming you and really owning who you are deep down and it's I think it's so beautiful to listen to that and I think many many of the listeners will really relate to this and I'm curious because you you kind of touched on it there about your your spiritual journey and how you've gone from being you know trying to be the best Christian that you can be which I'm assuming was kind of a bit of a, a, a response to this kind of trauma that you were experiencing in the community to now I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more about about that yeah definitely um yeah so I mean so it was it was definitely this very like um I think there was different stages of, of the trauma even uh because mm -hmm. like I, I was reflecting on uh I mean, I reflected on a lot, actually, first on a personal level, uh, but uh, how, like, the the very emotional nature of, like, Pentecostalism and of, like, um, the evangelical world, it's very, like, you got to feel that you love Jesus sort of thing, uh, and it was, such a, it was such a turnoff to me that I also, like, headed towards, like, very logical faith, like, I needed the full uh, system, like, to have every answer figured out, so, like, I spent a little time in like the, the reform tradition, which is very much like, uh, you know, God has predestined who's going to heaven and to hell. Um, <clears throat> and so I spent like a little time in that tradition. I jumped around in the Catholic church for a little while. You know, I, I was looking for like the system that had it all figured out uh, because I just, I wanted all the answers and then I could, you know, feel happy knowing that I had found the truth finally. <laughs> um, uh, and then like, I, you know, I found, I started finding like, one, once I started to realize like, hey, I, I don't need to quite completely fit in the box. And maybe, you know, maybe there are Christian denominations that, that will ordain me as a, as a trans woman. Uh, and so like I pursued that in a few different denominations. But so the first, the first one that I um, pursued, like when we, when we sat down with the person who's like in charge of like um, helping you through the discernment process, She's like, so is this trans thing going to be something you talk about, like your con your future congregants with? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> so it was just the it was not this good vibe of like this is something we really want to affirm, but rather like, are you going to talk about this? We really don't want you to. <laughs> so uh, that kind of set me off on like the pursuing any sort of faith leadership for a while, and like I I got rejected by gosh like. 80 different church positions I applied for when I finished seminary the first time around. Um, so it was not really like an encouraging uh, moment. And then I did find uh, a position in the United Church of Christ, uh, which is actually the denomination I'm still sort of working towards ordination with, but I'll, I'll talk about that. Uh, but so I found a position as a, as a youth director and it was really great. I, I, like I, that was when I started transitioning and like I was very supported by the pastor, very supported by my youth. Uh, but the, the wider congregation kind of had 
a little trouble with processing having a trans woman as like a faith leader in the community. Uh, and so when, when they started having some budget issues, I, I was the position to be cut despite being like one one hundredth of the budget. Um, and so uh, that, that really amplified like the religious trauma. Like I just felt so hurt uh, and didn't really like want to, like I still kept going on the path of like, okay, well I'm gonna keep working towards ordination because like I've worked this hard but it was such such a like moment of feeling like I was this total failure even though I followed it up with like some really good internships uh, it was just you know I felt like the church could never like truly truly welcome me and it was this really um yeah it was some religious trauma <laughs> wow my goodness how did and, how did you cope with that um well I, I dived into those internships uh mm -hmm. and then uh, and then I dived into thinking about um, academia, thinking about like, okay, maybe my my ministry, maybe my the work that I that I feel called to is like doing theology academically. Um, and so I looked at PhD programs, and you know, like I actually applied for one, uh, but got rejected because it was in uh, China, uh, and they required Mandarin proficiency, so it didn't really work out. Um, uh, but so, like, I, I went down like, okay, this, I'm going to do this, this academic path. Like, I, I'm pretty smart. I can do this. Like, I'm a good teacher. I can, I can handle this. Um, but then, honestly, like, getting rejected from that PhD was, like, the, the best thing that happened to me. Um, I mean, it would have been amazing. I was really excited about my potential, like, ad advisor. Uh, but it, it took me away from academia. And, like, so I went to, to teach abroad just in Vietnam. Uh, as a just an English teacher, and it was uh, such a moment to like realize how <laughs> dysfunctional academia is, just perhaps even more dysfunctional than the church. Um, I can imagine. I mean, actually, I know. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that's that's one of the things that first drew me to listening to some of your stuff on Instagram and on your podcast. It was, I was like, it's like, oh gosh, she gets this uh, jadedness to, <laughs> to academia. Um, mm -hmm. and um so I, I i headed down that path for a little bit uh but then like so vietnam and that experience really uh, gave me the space that a i could just like be interacting with everyday people and realize that like everyday people didn't want me to like sit there and pontificate about at them about something i learned in seminary um and that um you know, there's so much more to conversation, to education, to like raising consciousness. Um, like there, there's, there's so much more to it than, than just like teaching at people or um, pontificating at people. Um, and then Vietnam really being in like a non-Christian dominant culture uh, and like not going to church every week. Um, this is before Zoom church. So um, uh, we... You know, I, I had this space where I could finally be like, okay, like, this has like hurt me so bad, like getting just shit on by the church over and over again, uh, and by religion, like, you know, and really processing that internally and spending a lot of time uh, sifting through it, which then the funny thing was that once I began like healing that trauma, then it was also still like, okay, I still really want to do like some sort of spiritual leadership work. Like what, what might this look like? <laughs> Um, and then the few other signs like kind of coalesced in, in January. And that was what led me on this job search that's now led me to, to New York City as a, a director of education and a universalist. 
uh, congregation. And so that, that's been, that path has found what I feel like is a pretty solid fulfillment, like feeling this, this call to spiritual leadership. Uh, but then it's like the last year, especially, um, I, I had had like a little bit of like a yoga practice in the past. I had had like a little bit of like spiritual exploration in the past. But like I, while we were there and while I had this time and space in, in uh, Vietnam where like my schedule was a little bit more flexible and I had lots of like time that I could really spend taking care, good care of myself. Um, like I started doing uh, tapping EFT. I started doing uh, like consistent daily meditation. I started uh, doing like lunar intentions and stuff like that. Uh, and I had a few friends that I connected with who were like very open to like conversing about these sorts of things. Uh, and who uh, really like, um, especially the one friend who I spent a lot of the time talking about it with, uh, it really helped me feel validated that like I, I was existing in this this sphere. I recognized it, uh, for my womanhood, and it was that was that was very special for me. Uh, but that it also just um, the the spiritual journey, like with these getting time to meditate, getting time to practice yoga, and uh, process through some of these past traumas also then enabled me to like not only do that but really truly begin to like establish my own meaning and my own identity um you know i think that you know like uh in i think it was january um with the with the lunar cycle uh, my, my whole theme for like the year of like my intention for the whole year was the word embrace um and uh, my my uh, January lunar intention, which was like my first month of doing it, was something about like that I need to like embrace my womanhood. Um, and so I, uh, I set up a lot of meditations that were like, you know, divine feminine meditation and those those sorts of themes. And like it, it was amazing um, journaling and meditating around that for like a whole month. Um, and like, you know, really on 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 a, a very real level, <laughs> on a very real meditation level, like really coming uh, into contact with like, I mean, whatever you want to call it, my my inner divine feminine, my inner goddess, um, you know, what, <laughs> uh, there's lots of terminology for, for what it might be called, but, um, you know, I really uh, encountered that and like uh, very like concretely felt like reassured, like that this is your truth, this is who you are, like, um, like you don't need to, to hide from it. You don't need others' validation. Like here, this is in in your innermost self, um, in your your deepest mind. Um, that you know this is you, uh, and and that's good. Uh, so that was, I mean, that was just such a amazing, uh, like, spiritual experience for me. That's really kind of, you know, I feel to some level shifted <laughs> um, uh, my my spiritual trajectory, I suppose. Um, wow. And it's such it's it's such a reclamation. I just yeah I have I have goosebumps listening to you. It's incredible. So I guess finally what I'm what I'm really curious about is then after this whole journey, like what is spirituality to you? Do we do we have a few hours? <laughs> <laughs> what is spirituality? Oh man, like, you know, it, this has been such, a, such this journey for me of, you know, like, like we've mentioned of, of processing spiritual trauma, of, 
of wanting to be this greatest Christian and now like heading in other directions and being at a universalist church. Um, and I mean, it, it, the, one of the things that I decided to like focus on for my uh, religious education year this year was about like um, helping people ground themselves in self-understanding and like in uh, resilient, I call it like a resiliency curriculum, like focus on self-understanding, self-care, um, com community and identity and how these things all tie together sort of thing. Uh, and so that's been uh, on my mind a lot, uh, thinking mm -hmm. about, you know, what, like, now that I'm in this, this congregation that has people who are atheists, has people who have this background in Unitarian Universalism, um, have other people that have backgrounds in like more pagan earth-centered traditions, other people that are coming from like ex-Mormon, um, ex-Christian, uh, still technically identified as Christian. Like it's, it's this community and like we have these really amazing spiritual practices together as a community, but we're all like existing um, in, in such different spheres on our, on our own personal journeys. Uh, and so it's it's been a really magical thing for me coming uh, into this new position and like seeing like the ideal that I've, you know, kind of talked about that like, hey guys, we can be in community with each other while not all believing the same thing, while not all doing the same thing, while like, but we can we can still journey together. Um, so it's it's been, I, I think that spirituality is about like coming to to understand ourselves and understand ourselves in relation to the to the wider universe, to meaning, to to understand what the world means to us, what we mean to the world, um, uh, what we feel called to do in our lives, um, but then also like community to me is such a uh, such a key part of that. Like finding uh, both like like-minded people and people with similar interests, so that you can build community in that sense. But also uh, traveling together in community with people who maybe you, you don't have everything in common with uh, because it, it helps you grow together and helps you uh, exist better in the world. Uh, and you know, it's, it's such a radical departure from this, this, I have to fit in the box. I have to have the right theology that fits in the box uh, of my youth. Um, it, it's so different. Um, it's, it's, it's not about boxes anymore for me, but it's about finding our own our own journeys, you know, really encouraging these own meaning-making experiences and not, not making it that it's, you know, check X, Y, and Z, but that it's, um, you know, the, this consciousness raising. And I think in, in academia, um, yeah, in hippie circles and left-wing circles, you hear the word consciousness raising a lot, but, you know, I think that it, it, there's a lot of truth to it, that it's about, um, it's not about like just making this checklist of how can I be better spiritually, but it's about like helping yourself grow to this, this different level of, of handling things and understanding yourself and interacting with the world. Mm, I love that. And I think you've literally just given everyone listening to this permission to be themselves and Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, sharing your story. Um, it's been such, yeah, I have, I have goosebumps. It's incredible. So Ember, where, where can our listeners find you? Where can they stalk you? 
I, I always enjoy being stalked. Uh, I am on <laughs> uh, Instagram as uh, Ember Kelly, and it's Ember, E-M-B-E-R, and then Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, 39. Uh, so that's, I'm on Instagram as, with that handle. Uh, but then the, um, my, my work with the congregation, that is uh, 4thU.org. So it's the number 4thU.org. Uh, and like we have a podcast, we have um, other educational resources. So like uh, I, I am pretty active on there as well. Um, but uh, on a personal level, that Instagram is probably the, the best place to, to stalk me. That's incredible. And I'll make sure that I'll, I'll put the links to that in the show notes. Ember, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the Rise Priestess podcast. If this episode spoke to you, you can contribute greatly by sharing it to your Instagram stories. Make sure that you also tag me at Dr. Sarah Coxon so that I can personally reach out and thank you. And if you're not already a member of my Instagram community, you can pop over there now and join us. I keep it very real over there, sharing behind the scenes of my life and business to inspire you to live life and do business your own way. You can also apply to be a guest on the show by emailing sarah at Dr. Sarah Coxon with the subject podcast guest. You can also head over to my website, the link is in the show notes, to find out more about how I can help you step into your unique priestesshood to unlock deep contribution and potent prosperity. See you next time.